This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mama told me, son, go and play in the yard. Papa said, go and play. You gotta break your stomach on the Welcome to Inside the Yard, Brett Hollander and Jeff Arnold. And Jeff, uh, it's been a fascinating season for the Orioles already. A little up, a little down. Uh, we've seen doubleheaders. We've seen the extra inning rule. We've seen rain delays. We've seen other delays. It's been a um, fascinating start to the season, to say the least. We've seen some of the best pitchers in baseball. We have seen pitchers named Josh A. Smith. Josh D. Smith, at the time we're recording this, has not come in the game yet as the Marlins, a group of pitchers, a, 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 an interesting collection of people that uh, some I just I had not heard from and some who have had up and down careers. But, but yeah, it's been a bizarre, I would say, stretch where you face the Yankees, you had a chance to win one game from them, didn't happen. Then you go against the Rays, you face two really tough pitchers in Glasnow and Snell, you're able to sweep that series put everything together really nicely. And then the Marlins come to town following an eight-day layoff, and it's been a little bit tougher to figure things out, some issues with runners in scoring position, still trying to get that dealt with. But uh, we have seen the gamut of strange things from uh, rain delays being the opposing team at home, a uh, different kind of music and crowd noise being mixed in when you're not the home team, seven-inning doubleheaders, runner at second base, We've, uh, we're, we're, we're in the middle of some insanity right now, partner. It's uh, interesting, uh, certainly not boring to say the least, but it's baseball, so how could it be? Uh, and, and, you know, the one thing I'll say, uh, obviously they've stopped hitting for a few games, but the pitching's been really good. And we'll talk about this coming up with Melanie Newman in our insider segment. But coming up right now, Jeff, uh, one of the guys who was carrying the ball club for the first week plus uh, is Hanser Alberto, who's one of my favorite stories and if he were perhaps in a bigger market, he'd be getting a lot more attention. Uh, the guy, his track record last year was amazing. And I think he's proven that it's no fluke. Uh, he can hit left-handed pitching. He can flat-out hit. Uh, it's unconventional by today's standards because he's not going to walk. He's not going to strike out. Uh, he will pick his spots to hit out of the ballpark. Uh, but Hanser Alberto is fun to watch. Yeah, because when he goes up there, you'll have a, have a good sense that he's going to be able to put the ball in play. And he's hitting out of the leadoff spot now. He's had some success doing that and hitting the top of the order. And in a year where you maybe don't have a traditional a three-hole batter and you, you kind of look at Brandon Hyde's lineup construction, a lot of it just comes down to get your best hitters, as many possible at-bats as you can. And so you've got Alberto hitting out of the leadoff spot. And he, he talks about it in the podcast, just about his ability to put the bat on the ball. It's a trait that he has had ever since he was a kid and started playing baseball growing up. But a lot of it too, and, and Jose Flores talked about this on a previous podcast, I think a lot of it is Alberto getting the chance to play every day. Because as he talks about, uh, Hanser mentioning that he was in Texas and you have Rudy Nodora playing second base. and There's just not an opportunity. But he comes to Baltimore playing every day, different story, different results. 
All right, let's get to it. Hanser Alberto on Inside the Yard. Joining us right now on Inside the Yard, a very special guest, the Orioles' second baseman, Hanser Alberto. Hanser, how are you doing? Doing well. You know, just we had a beautiful day today, you know. I'm blessed to, to see another day and, you know, ready and ready to go. Hanser, you know, it's fascinating. Uh, baseball is a very tricky game of streaks and slumps. Uh, t- take us through just the last few days of, of being a really strong offensive team and then all of a sudden uh, collectively kind of struggling. Man, yeah, this, the last two days has been really hard for us uh, as a team. Uh, we couldn't find, you know, how to score wrong, how to get on base. Uh, and, and the time when we get on base, you know, we can't find how to move the runner or bring or bring it in. Uh, but you know, it's like you say, baseball is kind of tricky, and uh, there is some days. There will be some days in baseball like that. Hopefully today, you know, it change, and we can go back to normal as, uh, as we start the the season, you know, uh, together and find a way, you know, to to get on base to score some runs. Hanser, I like asking the question about players' approaches when they're runners in scoring position. When you come up to bat and you see somebody at second or third base, what's your approach at the plate? Uh, it, it depends on the situation. You know, sometimes late in the game, uh, like like the other day against um, uh, Tampa Bay, I got a double. What I want is like move the runner, you know, get the runner to third base and let the guy behind me uh you know to to get him in and uh i just let the ball travel you know keep my hands inside and try to hit the ball to the other way and you see the result i got a long drive by the first band line and that's basically my approach you know when i hit the ball hard uh to the other way boy figure out like two out then all you want is is bring it bring it in you know like i try to hit the ball hard stay in the middle and fight those guys. Hanser, you've been a great hitter for the Orioles here over the last year. And if you look at your track record throughout professional baseball, you've hit everywhere. And I went over this the other day on the radio. You've played uh, for a bunch of organizations in every league imaginable, you know, 10 different stops, whatever it is. Do, do you feel mm-hmm. that you've not been given your, the credit that you deserve as someone who's just hit all the time? Well, you know, sometimes just like that. In, in Texas, you know, they know I can hit, but by that time, you know, they got Belter, they got Andrew, they got Odor. So that was hard for me to find a spot there, you know, because they already had the position. They already, uh, like, a multiple-year contract, so they had to play every day. But, you know, I'm happy to be here. They gave me the opportunity. So uh, they just give me, like, a, a little one, you know. I, I don't take it for granted. I just... I do what I, what I, you know, what I'm supposed to do, and here we are, you know, give me the opportunity, and, but, you know, sometimes life comes to you, you know, not, not easy, and you have to find a way, you have to fight every day, and that's what I did, and now we're here, so happy for the opportunity, and hopefully, you know, we can go far as a thing, and, and you know, make it play off, uh, go to the championship, World Series, whatever. And that, that's what we want right now. 
Hunter, I'm interested in you growing up playing baseball. And how did you develop your hand-eye coordination for when you're hitting? Because um, it, it's you have an unbelievable ability to make contact, which a lot of players don't. And it's especially tough now with how good the pitching is. So when you were growing up, how did you develop the ability to uh, make contact? What kind of things were you doing to, to learn that hand-eye coordination? Oh, I don't know. That was like a natural tool, bro. Uh, I can't explain that, how that, how I growing up that. Just come with that, you know, just uh, see the ball, hit the ball. That's what I've been doing my, my whole life, my whole career. And, uh, you know, well, through the years, we do some drills and stuff who help you out to, uh, not just to keep the, the eyes in the ball, but, you know, to manage the bat, uh, pull the ball, whatever, hit the ball, whatever you want. And, but you know, I, I say that's a natural, natural tool that God gave me. Hans there, you play with a great energy and, you know, everyone says, your teammates, your manager, that your, you know, passion and enthusiasm for the game is infectious and it really helps out your teammates. There's a lot of guys in professional baseball, at least a handful, who, who maybe, you know, feels kind of like a job. How come you don't seem to ever react that way and and you just seem so happy being at the ballpark <laughs> i mean i love baseball you know and every time i step to the stadium deep at the clubhouse you know i think my teammates they make my my life easier because they chose some respect i respect them and that helped me a lot to you know to be the, the guy that i want to be always a happy guy smiling everywhere because i know Sometimes we got like a tough day and when we go to the stadium, we have to to leave home like uh, those tough days, you know? And in the stadium, all we want is like smiling, have fun, you know, be around them, um, try to to make their life, them, them life happy, you know? that That's what I, that's what I want. And that's me right there. I think I, I give that from my dad. He's always laughing, always a happy man. And I just get it from him. Was he the one that introduced you to baseball when you were were growing up? But when was your when was your first experience of playing the game? And who were your favorite player and favorite team when you were growing up? <laughs> yes, my dad. Because uh, in front of my house, I got like kind of like a stadium, and you know when I wake up in the morning to go to the school, so I have to pass. To, to, from the stadium to do whatever I want, I have to go through the stadium. So that's the, the first thing that I see every morning. And my dad has been a, a, like announcer for more than 25 years. So we, in my city, we go and, and he announces all the games, like softball games, baseball games, you know. So that's, and he took me there with him every, every Sunday. Uh, and yeah, kind of my dad introduced me to the baseball and I remember when I was like seven seven years old maybe six seven years old that was my first game I still remember that day your dad is an announcer like you said and your nickname is Radio can you tell us how you got that nickname <laughs> oh bro now he knows that because he knows that I always on I always talking always making noise, always laughing, always uh, noisy, you know, like, he knows what I get that, 
because I get it from him, because he's just like that. And he's always talking, like always a happy man, like I say, always smiling. And that's where we get that, you know, the nickname. <laughs> Anser Alberto, that was really fun. I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, best of luck uh, tonight, and we'll catch up soon. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me, and have a great day. And now it's time for our insider segment. Melanie Newman is with us right now to break down this series against the Marlins, a peculiar one in many ways, Melanie. And I guess you head to the play-by-play booth and the Orioles offense goes out. Yeah, Brett, I think you and I are going to be forced to switch roles again because I'd like to point out we were 3-0 and when I was down on the sideline. That's true. Although I was blamed for the rain delays uh, that series. So either way. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still blaming you for that, by the way. <laughs> so, so, Jeff, you have to take your pick. Do you want a partner who brings the rain or a partner who brings losses? I don't know, but hopefully the Orioles offense could get itself back on track. Um, from from what you have seen about some of these at bats over the last couple of days against Marlins pitching, uh, what has made it so difficult for the Orioles to get anything going offensively? I mean, Jeff, you and I have talked about it so many times. It's tough when you don't know who's about to be on the mound, what they're throwing, how they're throwing it. it it's a completely different situation, and and obviously, it's not anything the Marlins chose to do. You know, they didn't want to redesign their entire team, um, but it happened nonetheless. So these are guys coming in from Cleveland, Toronto, the minor league system all over the place. Um, and it's just really hard to get a read on that. And I'm sure, too, on the Orioles side of things, you're looking at the fact that you were possibly going to have a rain out that first game. You thought you were going to have the series last week, again, against the version one of the Marlins, and now they're completely different. But at some point, you have to make those between-game adjustments. And for the Orioles, while the pitching hasn't really been that bad, the bats just can't get consecutive hits lined up. Going back to the pitching, I, I've been really impressed these last few days. For, for, you know, I thought Wojciechowski threw the ball really well. I thought John Means was great, obviously, on the pitch count. But that splitter we saw in game one of the doubleheader from Alex Cobb, I mean, that was a sub-three ERA Alex Cobb I saw with the Tampa Bay Rays a few years ago. That was the real deal right there. Yeah, and it's interesting too, Brett, because he had one inning – where all of a sudden that split change wasn't really working that great, but he came back and his next two strikeouts were actually using that exact same pitch. So showing that he can slow down those moments and really take control and fix situations as he's going throughout the game, that's the kind of growth that you come to expect from a veteran like Alex Cobb. And like you said, it is unfortunate. John Means came out and he had a great game as well. And even Asher Wojciechowski, once he settled down after that first inning, and I get it, you're probably going to have some nerves with a weird lineup in a weird situation. It's a doubleheader that's only seven innings. Um, that's when you kind of wish you had that extra two innings of real estate to make up for just those two runs that came home. Did you like uh, seven inning doubleheader games? What was your what was your take on it uh, being applied from the minors to the majors? Well, I, I actually laughed about this earlier, Jeff, because I said we we both just left the minors, but now all these minor league rules are following us. I, I hate to say I love the seven-inning doubleheader. I think it makes sense. You're saving your guys, especially in a season like this where you're already dealing with injuries, you're dealing with that short ramp-up period. Uh, there's no point in exhausting everybody, especially when you have a game the next day. I would get it if this was Sunday and we had that off day on Monday, but we don't. Um, so to give the Orioles that chance, and, and as well as the Marlins, who, again, are all brand new, 
um, to just focus on those seven innings, it's a much more fortunate situation. The same as the, the runner on second rule. It's just, it's saving your players this season. Yeah, I must say, I'm a very confused person right now. As a baseball purist, I have found myself really enjoying what I've witnessed the last few weeks. Uh, you know, I was telling Jeff on Saturday, watching the runner on second base extra inning rule, it puts you right in the middle of this great baseball situation. So to me, I don't see it as an anti-baseball rule. I see it as a pro-baseball rule. The depth of strategy that you have to decide. And what I really like about it, it doesn't go down to strike out, walk, home run. It really forces execution and strategy, the best of baseball. And it puts a lot of pressure on the defenses. And now three batter minimums, you better bring on someone who can get some outs against you know, both right and left-handed hitters. I, I really found myself enjoying both those rules. I try and look at things as a fan. And I don't know if I see those two going away. Maybe the seven inning doubleheader, but I don't know if I see uh, the, the runner on second base X training will going away any, anytime soon. I completely agree with you. Cause I always felt myself as a purist as well. Like I didn't like the clock being introduced. I didn't like losing the intentional walks. Um, when I saw the runner at second rule, I fought it tooth and nail. And then when they said it'll be the minor leagues only, I thought, okay, I get it. It makes sense because the focus there is development. It's not necessarily wins and losses while the wins are nice. Overall, you're still trying to just make these guys better so that they can serve the big league team at some point. And I hate it because now that we're seeing it, Brett, like you just said, on the major league side of things, I, I don't know. It's just, it's a little bit exciting. Like, I, it's like you, I don't feel completely opposed to these changes anymore. And I think, too, when you look at the timing of it all, it's really hard to keep fans locked in for 18 innings in one day. You know, everybody has jobs, they have stuff that they have to get to, but you're talking about two two-hour games, that's a little more feasible. And it kind of makes it a little more exciting because it's different than the games that bookend that day. Mel, I'll wrap with this. And we talked about this a little bit on the broadcast on Wednesday. And we're going to have the same thing when we do the game on Thursday. But the Marlins being the home team at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, where they kind of set the vibe to be kind of neutral. There's no, like, real – exciting celebration music that gets played if if the Orioles do something good it'll play if the Marlins do something good it'll play otherwise the the crowd is pretty much at a murmur the crowd loop I guess you could say is at a murmur I felt the whole thing was bizarre but what did you think I've weirdly adjusted to every weird thing that's happened this year um and it's just you know it's a situation that you're like all right this is this is life now um Hearing the crowd noise the whole time, and especially having been fortunate to attend a couple postseason games last year, that's what it reminds me of, where there's enough of a mix of both fans are in the least. They're just excited the entire time because it is the postseason that that noise never really dies down. Um, and what I even said last night with it being like a world baseball type situation in a neutral zone, so the fans are always going nuts. Um, it oddly keeps the energy up. Like for a minute, you forget that you're like, oh, this, these aren't from live fans who are in the park right now. Obviously, you look at the park. It's a weird separation. I don't, I don't really think I can put it into the best of words. Um, but I'm not, I'm not entirely opposed to it. It kind of feeds my energy, at least in the booth, hearing that the whole time, being like, okay, let's, let's go. This is, you know, seven innings. <laughs> Melanie Newman, uh, great stuff this week. And, uh, you know, congratulations on everything and, and uh, kind of breaking some barriers and, and a lot of uh, worthy praise from around baseball. So congratulations from all of us here at Inside the Yard and your colleagues 
at Masson with the Orioles. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. But uh, I'm not I'm not here without the two of you. So. Well, great stuff, and we'll catch up soon. Sounds good. That was fun, Hunsair, and then Melanie and uh, the Hunsair one. Uh, the guy's got an energy about him, Jeff. Uh, you've been around baseball as much as anybody, and you've been around a lot of different personalities, and guys just have that that it when they arrive at the ballpark. He's one of those guys. Yeah, he is, and I think this socially distanced world is a little bit challenging for, for Hanser just because he's talked about this in, in press conferences. He likes to be given high fives and touches and different types of things uh, to just kind of let his teammates know that he's there for them and that he wants them to succeed, and uh, he's still managed to be one of the leaders in the dugout. I mean, he, it's him and it's Pedro Severino that tend to get everybody as excited as possible, so uh, it's nice to see that, that he's still being able to bring the energy, not only at the plate, but when he is not at the plate and helping his teammates out. But this is a strange year for everybody, but probably, uh, given his nature, a stranger, a strange for Hanser than, than just about anybody. All right, well, that does it for this edition. For Inside the Yard, a lot of baseball we played this weekend against the Washington Nationals. We're back next week for the next episode of Inside the Yard. For Jeff Arnold, I'm Brett Hollander. Thanks for being with us, and we'll talk soon. Be safe. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.